Welcome to episode 27 of 1530. Today we're going to be talking about the tennis world and really the lack of tennis in the tennis world. We'll be talking about the impact that COVID-19 is having on all the players and the fans and all the different tournaments that have been missed. Now introducing your hosts, Ben and Matt. First off, today we want to cover the stat of the day. The stat of the day is 56 days and counting. And that is the amount of time it's been since a tennis match has been played um, by the ATP. That was, the last matches were the final at Dubai, and the same day was also the final in Alcapulco. So Djokovic won in Dubai over Tsitsipas, and Nadal triumphed in Alcapulco. So 56 days and counting, we know it's going to get even longer because it's, uh, I believe tennis is on hiatus until at least June. Wimbledon has officially been canceled for the first time since uh, since World War II era. The French Open kind of controversially said, hey, we're going to play the week after the U.S. Open, basically. And everyone said, you didn't talk to us about that. So that was interesting. And then That's the U.S. Open. That's when you get the French involved. <laughs> That's right. Just They're joking. like, no, we're just going to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, as an Nadal fan, you should definitely be stoked that maybe oh, that's the game of the year. But, um, and then the U.S. Open right now is slated to be played, but I, I've heard that the officials are taking it kind of uh, day by day, week by week, seeing if the, that tournament's still going to happen. Because, of course, New York City especially has been the hardest hit area in the United States as far as COVID-19. So there you go. There's the there's tennis in a nutshell right now. Not much is going on. But, Matt, can you, can you talk to us a little bit about – who does this benefit most, you think, from the different players' aspect? Yeah, well, I think the answer is clear. I think, obviously, Roger Federer is getting the big, biggest benefit out of this for a couple of reasons. He announced that he was getting surgery right before all this went down. Maybe he had some involvement in it. Nah, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, Perfect timing, yeah, so, for real. <laughs> yeah, so he's got plenty of time to recoup. It keeps... Uh, Keeps anybody from getting close to his slam tracker number while he's yep. in bed rest. So, I and it gives him time to rest. And obviously, that's a benefit for all all three of the the big three to be able to have this this time to really relax. But I would say definitely Roger is the biggest beneficiary here. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I, I would probably say my answer is the big three, but Federer being the top of the list because, like <laughs> you're saying. You know, Federer's constantly been shortening his schedule, right? He often isn't playing clay or, I mean, and that's that's been true except for last year. He did just play rent the French Open. But then even the hardcore season in North America, he's been playing maybe one tournament, if that, before the U.S. Open. And sometimes, again, he'll just play the U.S. Open and then he struggles in the U.S. Open. So he's constantly trying to make his season shorter. And this right here kind of made it shorter. I mean, I know he maybe didn't wish it. But it does work out great for his recovery and his surgery. So hopefully he can be back healthy. Like you said, Nadal was probably ready to notch uh, number 20 and equal equal fetter here in May, but that's not going to happen. All right. The French Open, if it's played, will be played in September. So um, definitely, like you said, favors fetter. But also I would have to, got to go, have to go Djokovic, right? So you're, you're thinking about 56 days. This is actually longer than, than the typical offseason for one of the top guys, right? You think about the... The ATP Finals, it's played in the month of November, at the end of November. Usually they have December off, and then January, right, they're practicing. They're, they're in Australia doing the pre-tournaments before the Australian Open. So really, we know Djokovic especially has been amazing in Australia. He's the most Australian Open titles. He does really well 
for focusing on the off season and then getting ready to play and be focused for the next tournament. So I feel like this is kind of another off season. It will be much longer than a normal off season with, with no play, at least going through June, but Djokovic is good when he has time to, to kind of reset and focus the long season. Sometimes he can lose focus and then same with Nadal, right? I mean, he can struggle with injuries too. He, he has made mention that he hasn't hit a single ball during this time, which is interesting, but I'm sure he'll be fine again. I think he's going to be grateful that his body's not being taxed, even though he's kind of missing out right now at the start of the clay court season. So what, what about the other players though? What do you think about the others? Well, so that's the interesting thing, right? I think this is a benefit to the big three for those reasons, but also a benefit because I think of, you know, probably anybody on tour, the reason that these three have been so successful is that they are able to maintain such an incredible focus through any aspect of their lives. And so you look at this and you have this weird circumstance that comes into play where people are, you know, sheltering in place and social distancing, complete routines are just being completely thrown off. So it makes me wonder if maybe these, you know, guys on the lower tiers coming up behind these big three, uh, if they'll be able to, and I, I, and you know, that's an, that's assuming that the big three will be able to weather this no problem. Um, but I think they have a bigger chance of doing that than, than anybody else really. So it'll be able to interesting to see if anybody else can really maintain the focus that they need, be able to maintain routines. And, and, you know, uh, I know we talked about previously that about some of these young guys coming into the very beginning of the season, maybe coming in hot feeling good and feeling ready for a good season to break out. And suddenly you're hit with this COVID-19 and any momentum that you have building is gone, you know, and mm -hmm. you have to start from, from scratch again. And so it, it, I have to imagine for anybody outside the big three, this is a negative, Yeah, <laughs> you know, you, whether it be finances and funding your, your career or whatever it may be, it's, you know, physical fitness, mentality uh, on all levels, I can't imagine this is a benefit for anybody other than the big three trying to get rest and, and get ready. But. Yep. I think one area where Djokovic is, uh, is maybe disadvantaged is with the number one ranking. So um, Roger Federer holds the most weeks at number at world number one, not consecutive, just total at 310 weeks. Pete Sampras is number two, barely right now at 286 weeks. Djokovic is right on Sampras's heels at 282 weeks. So the decision has been made by the ATP that they're not going to credit um, those weeks to world number one since no tennis is playing, which makes sense. Um, despite kind of hearing some people were saying it's controversial, I don't really think so, right? No tennis is being played. So I think that does hurt Djokovic, right? He is chasing a lot of Federer's records, and I think he would have loved to get a few more weeks under his belt because he would have stayed world number one regardless of what happened, at least up until the end of the clay court season. He did have a lot of points. So just another something that's interesting, though overall. But I the think other people's benefits. points haven't changed either. Nope. Yep. So it helps right. the so, it helps the younger people. It helps everyone else. But just as far as getting the getting the record books is all it is. Yeah. is chasing yeah, that. He record has to book. wait a couple more months to get in the record books. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I, I agree with what you're saying about the young guns. I wonder about players like Team or Medvedev who play a mm. lot of matches during mm -hmm. pretty much the whole year. And they don't really take much of an offseason. They're just constantly playing. They're constantly entering tournaments week after week. They're kind of rhythm players. I wonder how they do coming back into this. I wonder how any player does if, you know, how is Dimitrov going to play Pass like, like you kind of alluded to with the work ethic. 
I wonder if these players are going to be able to train and stay physically fit, stay ready to go, or if they're going to kind of come out playing rusty and I have opportunities to be upset and maybe drop in the rankings. So uh, I think this is really kind of an un unknown, like I'm saying. This is uh, this is unprecedented to have all these tournaments canceled, and we will have a longest offseason that, that the ATP has seen. So, Well, it, real quick, going back to that point, you talked about Fed trimming down his, his workload over the past couple of years. I wonder if he will increase towards the end of this year if tennis does start back up when they're expecting it and hoping it does uh i wonder if he'll increase what he was originally planning on doing or if he'll just yeah. leave it i wonder if he'll enter any other um, more minor tournaments that he normally would have passed up had he played a full year yeah just a random aside but yeah especially because when you recoup uh you know he, he wants to get match fit and i think that's what he right. said last time when he had the surgery he he entered Australia. He He's like, I, I think I'm ready, but I mainly just did it to make sure I was match fit. He was kind of expecting to lose um, that quarterfinal match, especially to Nishikori, that five-setter. He's like, I would have been totally happy with it because I just needed some matches to get match fit. Of course, he won that match, beat Nadal in that epic five-setter to win his, what was it, 18th major at the time. So you, you never know. Like you're saying, he he might just want to get a couple of matches under his belt. But I think it'll be really interesting to see if we're even going to have a single Grand Slam this year. And what what much is even going to be there to play for? Like maybe Djokovic and some of these guys will lose a little bit of motivation because there's not much to play for. So I, I don't know what to say, uh, except for it'll be interesting to watch. That it will be. I I don't know. Obviously, this is personal opinion. I think that we'll see a, at least one Grand Slam this year. Uh, I don't know. I think things are going to start opening early or early summer, late spring, mid-May, June. And then you give it some time. I yeah. think we'll see at least one grand slam. That leaves you half the year. I don't know. It, yeah. it will be interesting to see. Obviously, this is all unprecedented. Yeah. And then maybe the US Open becomes. Of... Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say nobody wants to be nobody wants to be in charge of an event that leads to <laughs> an increase in, in pain and suffering, right? And so with that aspect, maybe they'll just all err on the side of extreme caution and say, hey, let's just start this up later. But yeah. I mean, at some point, things are just going to have to happen. And so, absolutely, it'll be interesting. Yeah, and, and maybe the U.S. Open becomes almost like the Australian Open, right, where everyone is so eager to play because it's, you know, the yeah. first major after an ex major after an extended, you know, off season. So we could see people like Federer or Djokovic playing better there than they usually do because end of the season they they kind of peter out. Especially Federer physically, he's just not been himself the past, you know, several several years at. Yeah, really since 2015 in my book um but at the us open every year he looks pretty hobbled so yeah it'll be interesting and it'll be interesting if the french open will actually go off at the same schedule that it says like mm. week after the us open you're going to expect people from the hard court in america to fly over to europe where it's going to be cooler yeah. to play in that uh in that late september time frame with with no real warm-up tournaments i just i, I question mm. that plan and if maybe someone will insert a, a clay tournament there or if or if that that's just wishful thinking by the French, but oh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Maybe they're just banking on Nadal going no matter what and yeah. hoping that he can bring everybody. Yeah. Well, I was even reading someone's like, yeah, he could even, Nadal would even skip the U S open maybe, and which I don't think he necessarily yeah. would, but, but maybe lose out early in a, in a close match where he's like, I don't know, kind of on the cusp and loses, gets upset and isn't too mad about it because it gives him time on clay. I don't know yeah. if that That's plays into the psyche, but that'd be interesting. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, like, it's, 
it's too far away to, to tell, but uh, of course, we're on the show. We like to talk about the future and the, and the upcoming year, so we can speculate a little bit. Yes, yes. Obviously, we have no clue what's going to happen. <laughs> None of yep. this is doctored. <laughs> um, let's see who else, as far as players go. So we were talking about Medvedev. He was the one that made the US Open final last year. Uh, I know Russia's starting to get hit pretty hard. I just, I just wonder where a lot of these players are at. Even though I know, you know, a lot of players. I don't know about Medvedev in particular, but like Djokovic, right? He doesn't usually live in Serbia. He spends most of his time in Monte Carlo. Right. Federer does usually live in Switzerland, but also has a place in Dubai. So a lot of these players that are well off have multiple homes and stuff. So I just wonder kind of what their game plan is and as far as yeah, training and where they're living. Places, let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I know travel bans, it's a little tricky, but. Um, Oh, that's true. Europe's a little bit crazier. Yeah. I, I, I do think this also, just back to your point about more rest, I think this also benefits the older players such as Stan Wawrinka, mm -hmm. who has showed some flashes of brilliance since coming back from injury, but really hasn't made a deep run at a slam. So I, I think this could benefit him as long as he is putting in the work. Um, I think this also could benefit players like Del Potro, who constantly struggle with injuries. Andy Murray, maybe, if he's putting in the training. Uh, but I'm, I'm not sure about Andy. It's... Uh, it's, it's been tricky for him. I know he's still yeah. in some pain even after the surgery. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it can benefit these guys more time, more time to rest, more time to recover physically. And maybe they can give it a go. It's like, Hey, it's a lost season anyways. Why not just try to go out there and play some good times? Right. Absolutely. And that is an interesting thing though. I mean, yeah, it's time off right now, but in the, in the scheme of things, you know, you've lost Wimbledon. So you've lost one chance at that major and you're only ever going to get older. So you've got joke over here trying to surpass Rafa and, and Fed, well, he just lost a chance at Wimbledon for a tr yep. trophy there, you know? And so, and obviously they all, all three and everybody below them has a good amount of time to play. There's plenty of time for anything to happen there. Um, but they are lost opportunities at the same time. So in the immediate future, sure, this is beneficial for time off, time to focus, time to recoup, whatever. In the long term, you could make the argument that, hey, well, what could have happened had this been a normal season? Yeah. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that with Federer. Like you were talking about how this is an advantage Federer. I do think it's advantage Federer in the end, but you know, that, that is a year, right. uh, like you said, it's another Wimbledon year. chance lost. And yeah. last year he had two match points over Djokovic could have yeah. easily triumphed there. Maybe this year he would have had revenge fresh in his mind. And then you kind of lose that edge. At, at least in the NBA, I know it's a, uh, you know, if the team that loses in the final, if they come back to the finals the next year, they're, they usually win it statistically. Um, tennis, I don't know if it's exactly the same way, but it, it should give you some sort of mental edge. I had match points last year. I can I can win no matter who I'm playing against. So I wonder if that hurts Federer. He's one year older. You know, we never know when he's going to retire. Same thing goes with the Olympics, right? We haven't talked a lot about that yet, mm. but the Olympics in Japan and Tokyo got pushed to 2021. Right. You know, that's uh, the gold medal. Federer, it's eluded Federer for singles. He's, he's gotten it with doubles with Favrinka. Um, and same with same with Djokovic. Djokovic hasn't even medaled at the Olympics, which is a crazy thought, right? Andy Murray <laughs> has two golds. Nadal has a golden singles, uh -huh. and I think doubles as well. But yeah, Djokovic doesn't even have a medal, and Federer has a silver, and that's it. It's it's kind of mind boggling that Federer and Djokovic have kind of underperformed at the Olympics. And people like Nishikori, who had beaten Djokovic for a medal, and Del Potro, some of these people they seem to overperform in the Olympics, which yeah. is best of three, so leads to upsets. That's when Joke was upset sure. against. Del Potro first round, but maybe maybe that's something else for them to play for next year, and maybe we'll push Fed's retirement out. I don't know. It's uh, it's hard to say. 
That's interesting. What Wimbledon should do is some sort of like crazy tournament next year just to make up for it. Do like double <laughs> elimination or something. I mean, as long as it benefits Federer, I don't really care. I just, I just want to look another Wimbledon champion trophy. <laughs> I'm all for good maybe, competition, but I'm all maybe for... they'll just give one to Fed. They'll say an honorary Wimbledon. 2020, exactly. 2020 yeah. Wimbledon trophy goes to Fed because he has well, the most. Well, he did do that cool uh, advertisement for Wimbledon. I don't know if you if you caught that. He basically talked yeah. about how, you know, this year Wimbledon, you won't be able to queue up in the line. You know, you're gonna be you're gonna be at home, but you're gonna save lives. But it was kind of inspirational and showed kind of Wimbledon in the backdrop, but. It was, it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. Um, I just hope, because I'm, I don't know if I've told you, but my wife and I were planning to go to Australia uh, 2021. What? So <laughs> we're going to spend a week in Melbourne and, and do two days of tennis. I think we, we want to do the first round, first or second round. And then we're going to do a week of her side of the deal. She's a, she's a diver. That's what she does for work. So she wanted a yeah. week of diving in the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, so yeah. I get tennis, she gets diving. But I just really hope that Australian Open operates normally, which uh, I, think I think it will. I mean, we had fires last year, and now <laughs> we have the COVID this year. 2020 has been kind of a, a hellish year. It's a mess, honest, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, that's cool. That's cool. I keep telling my wife her her parents are working in France right now, and so Ooh. we're going to go visit them at some point. I keep telling her we need to, we need to line that up with the French Open. You're um, like, last week of May, does that, work? does that work for you guys? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think so that's the, the only week that's going to work on my schedule. So. There you go. Oh, I mean, that would be great for you as a Rafa fantasy. Seeing it all destroy somebody on the clay. <laughs> anyway, that's great. Well, let's see. What do we have upcoming? So we're, we were thinking about for future episodes, right? We could obviously talk about, you know, more about thinking about how 2020 is going to go or how the young guns are going to go. But also we've heard from you guys that, that, um, you guys would like to know about stats from like some of the epic matches in, in times past of like John McEnroe and Bjorn Borg, or even not too long ago, but still as my very first tennis match, which was 2008 Wimbledon final Federer Nadal. So looking at some of those stats and some of those matches that have literally made tennis history. And so I think that's something we're, we're going to take to heart and work on because we got to give you guys good content, even though there are unfortunately no matches being played right now. So <laughs> should be fun. Well, as always, um, visit us at cognitionsphere.com. And until next time, we'll see you on the court.